Father, this morning we just come and we magnify your word and your name. We don't look at our situations or our circumstances. That is not the norm. The norm is your word. What your word says about us is what is the norm, Lord. And we receive that. There is sickness in so many places within the body of Christ. That is not the norm. The norm is health. So I speak healing. And I speak health into the body of Christ. Wherever they are, maybe in the ICU, on the ventilator, it doesn't matter. I speak healing. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. The norm in lives and in homes, Christian lives and Christian homes, is peace and not strife. And I speak peace into every heart and into every home. That strife will cease. Because your word says in James 3.16, strife brings forth every kind of evil work. And much of the evil work that happens in homes is because there is strife. And I pray, Father, strife will cease and peace will prevail. And we will have every kind of good work of Father. Because that's the norm, Father. So we just lift your word up. We glorify your name. And we pray, Father, even today, from the youngest one sitting over here, O oh Lord, to everyone listening around the world, I pray, give us open ears. Believing hearts, understanding mind, and above all, a will that is surrendered to your will, Lord. Speak, teach us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We are with the Shunammite woman on Saturdays, remember? Unnamed woman, yesterday we were with an unnamed prophet. And then an unnamed man becomes named He's a simple man, a farmer, becomes a hero. In Second Kings chapter 4 and verse 10, that's what we've been looking at. This lady, a lady of renown in that town, but she's not named. And uh, she sees a need. She meets that need. And from there, the ministry expands. It begins. He compelled him to eat a meal. Then she started compelling him to eat many meals. He found a place of refuge. Then she told the husband, Let's make a small upper room on the wall. and Let us put a bed for him there, a table, a chair, and a lampstand. So it will be. Whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. So now he does not just have a meal. He has a place. So here we were looking at this. It's an upper room. It's not, a, it's not in the basement. It's not in the backyard. She made a very visible space for the prophetic in our life. The word of God, the voice of God is should be visible in our life. I, say, I used a statement last Sunday that you should wear your faith on your sleeve. We wear everything else on our sleeve. Except faith. Okay. We should not be ashamed about it at all. No, We are not ashamed about so many things we should be ashamed of. Right. We should be, we are ashamed of one thing we should be very proud of. Of the God we believe. Okay. And here, she made him a very visible space on the top of our house. It's not that she made room. She made space. That means there is sacrifice. There is investment in it. It takes time, labor, investment, everything to make a very visible space for God in our house, representing Elijah. 
<coughs> she furnished it also. And we looked at the four items. We said, these four items, these words are not put there in random. These things are put in order because they signify something to us. These things were written for, not for them. These things were written for us. Old covenant people would read this and understand nothing. They would just see, see it at furnishing. The spiritual truths are revealed only to the new covenant people because only to them it makes sense or it is applicable because old covenant people could never go through this experience because they were not born of the spirit. So they were used as examples so that it would become life for us. So you have a bed that is mentioned first. Now if you come into this room, you don't see the bed. The bed is inside. So you wouldn't mention, you would mention a chair first and a table. Right? And you may look at the lights, but that's not the order in which it goes. The order in which, I mean, nobody mentions a bed first when you enter into a house. You know? But here the bed is mentioned first because it signifies rest. And that's the first thing God offers his people in the kingdom of God. Rest from sin and rest from labor. Come to me, all your weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And every day we begin from rest. That's not the world. The world works and then rests. God's people rest and then they go out to work. And when they work, it is work. It's not labor. It's not labor. When does work become labor? When you are unsure about the results. Because you're working for a result. You're striving for a result. And therefore, everything that you do is completely controlled by the result. And if the result is not there, your boss is upset. Parents are upset. Everybody, you know, parents get upset. The children work and they don't bring the results. They get upset, you know. But in our case with God, the result is determined by God. Paul plans, Apollos waters, God gives the increase. So God says, you don't worry about the result. The result will be determined that day. But I want to see how you work. Okay, the principles, the character of God should come into the way you work. But the world is not tuned that way. The world is tuned in what we say productivity, not in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, it doesn't work like that. So you have to be very careful. I, you, I remember an old time pastor giving an illustration. He says, when pastor goes to a particular city, he starts a church, and within two years, he's got 5,000 people. The church is exploding and expanding. Another man of God goes to another place, and he struggles for 15 years, and he's got 10 people. And you look at him, what's wrong with him? And look at him. This is successful, but you do not realize this man is on hard ground, and his 10 people is worth 50 on this side. That's why God says, don't look at the increase. Don't look at the increase because you do not know what are the grounds in which people. It is easier to work here where there is harvest immediate than to work there and stay there and don't give up because God has called you to be there and not there. And the work is very, very hard there. The ground is very hard. It is a demonic operation. People are caught in bondage and witchcraft and sorcery and 10 people he brings is worth 5,000 there. So that's where we have to be very, very careful. When we are talking about that is what God frees us in our work. He frees us. He says, you don't have to look at the result. Paul plans. That's all Paul can do. He's using, can the farmer bring forth increase? No, he can't. He has got no control. All he can do is plant and he can water and wait. 
He has no control over it. Whether it will come up or not, it's not in his hands. And even if it comes, will it go to full harvest? You do not know. A cyclone may come, a storm can come, locusts may come, anything can come and before harvest, everything can go away. He has no control over it. But there is somebody who has control over it. It is. So you brought it, it's around one week before the harvest, the locusts come and eat and go. Is he to be blamed? No. So what is don't judge it. Don't judge anything. So that's where work comes in. That is what the bed puts over there. You rest. You have rest from the burden which we can never carry, the burden of sin. Because we cannot. There's no atonement man can make for sin. God has made. So Jesus says, come and receive rest. Second is from labor. The second thing we looked over there is the table. And table we looked primarily is not food. For children it is food. But uh, for parents... For older people, it is not the food. It is fellowship. It is the quality of fellowship that matters. Okay? It is fellowship that matters. That's where God has put a table. And we saw God invites us to his table. He spreads a table for us in the wilderness, in the presence of our enemies. He spreads a table, meaning it doesn't water, matter what kind of circumstance you have. David talks about that. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, it's not a good place to be. But he has put a table for me, meaning I'm going through the worst, darkest days of my life. Still God is speaking to me. Otherwise, we wouldn't have half the letters of the new covenant because it was written from prison. He's in the darkest days of his life, but fellowship at the table is going on constantly. And he's able to encourage the people outside who are free but unable to hear. So the table represents fellowship. And it's a fundamental. You are at rest, and then it's, that's the order in which it goes. And after that, you have fellowship. And fellowship is important with God and with man. Okay? With God, it's reverential. That's why it is called worship. And worship is basically fellowship. In worship, if you haven't heard from God, then uh, it hasn't become fellowship. Our life itself is worship, meaning... God is looking for true worshippers who will worship in truth and in spirit. But today, we'll go to the third one. Today, the third one is, and a chair. If you go to KJV, it is not written chair. KJV uses an old English term called, let us put a stool. Okay, But it basically means it's an ornate chair. Okay, Kise, if I'm right, is the word in Hebrew, which means it's like, probably the best chair in our house. It's like what you would give a dignitary. Okay? A dignitary. It's an ornate chair. Like you go to many churches, big churches you will see. There are chairs up over there. The senior pastor, the bishop, when he comes, they don't sit on ordinary chairs. It's not that they are not ordinary people, but they occupy an office. So chair signifies an office. That's why when we have a board meeting, we call that person the chairperson. The presiding chair. So we use the term chair over there. So it is a seat of authority. Okay? There are two implications with the chair. We also know that when we sit in the chair, it also implies rest. Right? We come and sit down. So there is rest and there is also the position of authority. Okay? <clears throat> now, yesterday, the Cubans, the royal concert, the big grandmaster died. Okay. He died. <laughs> okay. The queen also sits on a throne, but that's also a chair. So chair. 
Okay. Now, if you look at it, does the queen rest on that throne? No. It's for official purposes. It's a very uncomfortable chair. <laughs> if she really wants to rest, she'll probably go and sit in some armchair and put her feet up. But the throne is a chair. So when you use the word chair, remember the implication is not primarily rest. It is a position in which you sit. So throne is also a chair. There are primarily four chairs. Four chairs. Okay? Either it is self, in terms of position, throne, authority. Either it is self, is seated there. Sin is seated there. Satan is seated there, or Christ is seated there. Or one chair, who is seated there? Self, sin, Satan, or Christ. Someone is sitting on the chair. That chair is never empty. Okay? That chair is never empty. Whatever or whoever you yield to, I yield to, sits on that chair. Got it? If I yield to myself, then I sit on the chair. If I yield to sin, sin sits on the chair. If I yield to Satan, Satan sits on the chair. Remember, Judas opened his heart to Satan and Satan came and he sat on the chair and immediately took him into suicide. Went and hung himself. Okay, Not like Indians say he suicided himself. No, he committed suicide. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Or Christ can be seated on the chair. But we have to yield every day. And we are yielding to something. So remember, the chair is never ever empty. In Isaiah 14, oh, Isaiah 14, I had it with me. Isaiah 14. Yeah, Isaiah 14, verses 12 to 15. You will see where it all begins. Once upon a time, Long time in the past eternity, there was only one throne. One will. One throne, one will. There were other thrones, but primarily one throne. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the... That's where it all started. Okay. He wanted to replace God on his throne, the chair. That's where it all began. It all began there. Right? He was not comfortable with his chair. He wanted to be the chairperson. That's where all it began. Before the rebellion in heaven, there was only one will. It is the will of God. In all of creation, before man was created, the angelic host followed the will of God. Then Satan rebelled. Now there are two wills, the will of God and the will of the devil. In the garden when man fell, suddenly it became the will of God, the will of the enemy, and the will of men, Adam and Eve. Right now, there are billions of wills. Seven billion people, whatever. Okay? So suddenly you have so many thrones. Remember when we were doing our study in Judges, what is that? Each man did what was right in his own. Everybody seated on their throne. 
And that is what the world has come. We call it, of course, relative truth. And I keep telling, truth is not your relative. It's your boss. Okay. So there is a seat. We have to be careful. Who is seated on that seat will determine how our day goes. If self is seated, you will be selfish. That's all. If sin is seated, you will be a sinner. If Satan is seated, you will be demonic. If Christ is seated, you will be godlike. Whoever you yield your will to is seated on that throne. So the chair is important. Okay. In Hebrews 9 and verse 27, it is appointed for men to die once after this, the judgment. Something is true. It doesn't matter how you are seated. Ultimately, everyone will die. Then everyone will stand before another seat. Another seat. There is a seat that is coming. It is called the seat of judgment. Everybody, including Lucifer, everybody will stand before that seat. So be very careful. Do not be high and lofty here. Doesn't matter what position you have over here. Remember, it is only given for a season because it's an appointment everybody has to keep. That is what it is appointed for men to die. You can miss many appointments in life, not this. Many. Appointments you can miss, dental appointment, doctor's appointment, what you like, what you don't like. But this is an appointment everybody will have to keep. What is that? It is appointed for men to die once, only once. Once. Okay. After that is judgment. That will decide whether you will die second time or not. Okay. Judgment. So be careful about that seed. What does it mean? It means really we do not have authority. We have only delegated authority. Even the queen's consort who died did not have authority. So he sat on a throne with all his various medals and costumes and all that, you know. Which is all appearance. Because authority is genuine, then it is eternal. It is eternal. So the real picture is that if everybody is going to stand before judgment, whoever is sitting on that chair and judges, he is the one who has all authority. And Jesus says, I have all authority and power in heaven and on earth. So we are all going to stand before a seat. Therefore, whoever is sitting on the chair right now inside, in that chair right now inside, matters. If it is self, self will be judged. If it is sin, sin will be judged. If it is Satan, Satan will be judged. It's already judged. If it is Christ, he will be glorified. If Christ was seated, he's not judged. He will be glorified. That's Colossians 1.27. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If Christ is seated, there is no judgment. There's no judgment. There's no judgment. You stand before the judgment seat with a completely different attitude because you're just... Just waiting to be glorified because Christ is seated. Okay? Self, sin, and Satan will be judged. But if it's Christ is seated on the throne, then he's only glorified. John chapter 6 and verse 38. Who is seated on the throne? 6. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So he, when he came, showed us a pattern. He said, when he Self could have be seated in him. He said no. Sin could have said, tempted 
In every point, like any one of us, he said no. Satan himself came, not some small demon. We fall before small demons. This big fellow came. He refuted him. He wouldn't, okay? And he allowed the father to be seated on the throne. And he says, I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So if you looked at Jesus at any point in his life, if you asked him, who is seated on the chair, who would say, my father? My father. My father. Okay? Why is this important? Because the power that is demonstrated in our life depends upon who is seated on that throne. Who is seated? Luke chapter 4. Because God is seated on his throne, he comes to his own town. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as custom was, he went into the synagogue on Sabbath day, stood up to read. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. See, he had already said in Hebrews, Behold, in the volume of the book it is written about me. I have come to do your will. So when a man walks in the will of God, absolutely totally surrendered to the will of God, he's not on the throne. God is on the throne. Every event is controlled by God. Every event is controlled by God. Okay, So he has come into the Sabbath. He's not picking the scroll. The scroll is handed to him. Now there are 39 scrolls over there of different books of the Old Covenant. But Isaiah is given to him because he has to read from Isaiah. The one who is giving the scroll has no control over it. It it is God who is controlling the movement of this man because on the throne God is seated. It is from the book of Isaiah. And he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Why is he able to operate like that? Because it is not he who is on the throne. It is God who is on the throne. So the power and the authority of God is demonstrated. And he's just showing us a pattern. He says, this is what? You don't have to look at somebody's power and somebody's authority. You have to walk in the delegated authority you have been given. And that is what they try to set John the Baptist up. And he says, no, a man should not receive or cannot receive more than what he has been given. He should increase and I should decrease. If, I, if God's will is that I should decrease so that he should increase, so let it be. So let it be. Because ultimately when I decrease, God is glorified. When he increases, God is glorified. On the other hand, if he increases and I'm going to contend with him, then God is not glorified in my life. He will be only glorified in his life. So we have to be very careful because who is seated on the throne? Because self will start. No, that's how strife comes in. Strife comes in. A lot of issues in lives are caused by strife. The Bible says in James 3.16, if you look at it over, it's very clear. Can I have a KJV? No. 3.16. If I'm right, it's another 3.16. This Genesis 3.16, John 3.16, James 3.16 are all fundamental verses. Where envy and strife is there. Strife comes out of envy. No, envy. Cain was envious that Abel's sacrifice was received. I mean, why should he be bothered? You also will be acceptable is what God is talking about. Envy. Okay. People cannot handle compliments if it's directed at somebody else. It's only I should be complimented. Finished, gone, immediately strife will come. That's why it's put together. And what happens? There is confusion and every evil work. 
If you look at, let's, let's look at the basic unit. If you look at a simple home, the home can be the most peaceful place on earth. If I look at, I have families here. We have Pastor Vijay, one family. We have Samir's family. We have Raja's family. Okay, any, if any, if you have Derek's family, we have four families over here. And my family, of course, five families here. Our families, honestly, if you look at it, should be the most peaceful, happy homes on earth. Why? Technically, look at it, we have no problems. It's not that we don't have problems, but we don't really have problems because God is in absolute control of all our situations. We should be having no strife in our homes at all. No strife in our home at all. But if envy comes in, strife will come. How does envy come in? It is self-projecting itself. My way or the highway. You honestly look. I look into our churches. I look into the families. We can be the most peaceful families because honestly looking, what are our problems? <laughs> we really don't have problems looking at everybody. Almost everyone, child, children are minor. They're not even teenagers to create problems. Okay, what problem? No problems. Money, God has, nobody can say God did not give us enough. Even during lockdown, everybody ate well. And when government said, you can defer rent, we still paid before time. <laughs> we never bargained with our landlords. Never even said, government said three months. We just paid them all off. Everything was taken care of. So where does strife come? And then we come. You know what happened? It creates confusion. Evil work. You know, that's what we have to. Why is why where is this whole issue comes? It is come. Who is seated on that chair? Who is seated? if Christ is seated on that chair, there will be always peace. When Christ is not seated on that chair, there is confusion, there is strife, there is envy, and peace goes out of the window. That is what the Bible is saying. So the Shunammite woman gave. Her chair, I believe the best chair, not her chair, the best chair in her home to the prophet or made a special chair for the prophet if there was not a good enough chair, right? Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 to 30. Because the chair denotes authority. The Lord blessed them and the Lord said to them, <clears throat> be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. See, I have given you every herb. Okay, So you see over there, every beast, everything. And it was so. What did God do? He gave them authority, dominion over everything. Okay, So if you look how the devil deceives, he said he deceives man by replacing God and putting self and blindness so that we bow before animals. You know, when you, all these images are made in the images of created things. We are supposed to have dominion over them and we allow them to dominate us because God has given us over to a reprobate mind. Okay, So remember, when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them a chair. Not physical, spiritual. He gave them authority. He gave them power. He gave them dominion. It matters. That's why I said it matters. We have dominion, we have authority, but who is seated on the throne? Is it self? Is it sin? Is it Satan? Or is it Christ? Thrones matter. Turn to Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. 
because eternity we will see through the eyes of Daniel, the vision of Daniel. I watched till thrones were put in place. Thrones, there are many thrones in heaven. And throne of all thrones, okay? And the ancient of days was seated. This is not Jesus, this is the Father. His garment was white as snow. And the hair of his head was like pure wool. I don't know why men dye their hair. His throne was a fiery flame. Its wheels are a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and books were opened. We'll see that in Revelation also, okay? Court was seated. And you know, this is from where? You see, our concept about the law does not come from the East. It comes from the West. And it is Christian, Judaic. It's all from the Bible. That's why you will see always the announcement, all rise. And the judge comes in. Everybody judge. And the judge ceases. And then only you are allowed to sit. And they will tell you also, even if you have gone to court somewhere, they will say, don't cross your legs. Don't sit like this. They will say, you have to be always be very careful how you sit before the judge. Why? Because he represents power, authority of God himself. God himself. The court was seated and the books were opened. So there are thrones in heaven. It's power and authority. And if you look at verse 13 and 14. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. That's how it is. Okay, This is a royal entourage. You just don't walk like that. An entourage brings you like that. They will come. Okay. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. That all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. We shall not pass away. His kingdom, the one we shall not be destroyed. The Father gives him power and authority and dominion forever and ever. So you need to understand what a chair represents. It is not a small thing. Verse 27. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So there is a series of thrones. Father, Jesus, and then thrones down. So chair matters. Okay, so God says, if Christ is seated now, you will be seated with Christ then. Okay, that's why the chair is important. You will see that again, that picture in Revelation 11, verses 15 to 7. I gave it, yeah. Seventh angel sounded, there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. He shall reign forever and ever. The 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped. They have thrones, but their thrones are nothing compared to his throne. So they got up from their thrones, fell on their faces and worshipped him by saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. Okay, So when Christ is seated on in our hearts, remember, it is greater than any throne in heaven or on earth. We have seated the rightful person in our lives. Even the 24 elders will fall before us if Christ is seated before us because they know this man is dead. This man is dead. Christ lives in him. This woman is dead. Christ lives in him. He's enthroned. So we need to realize this is, this is what, this is our hope of glory. 
Our hope of glory is not our achievements. Our hope of glory is when we finish our race, has God Jesus taken complete sovereignty in our lives? Complete dominion over our life has Christ taken. And then that is why Paul is able to see his crown of righteousness. Absolutely he's able to see because you know what he knows. You know, the Christ in me has to be crowned because there is no me in me. It's Christ in control. Okay. So we are all seated at the table, like I said last week. We are all seated at the table. That is by the grace of God. Okay. And there are chairs around the table. The problem is who is seated at the head of the table? You know, we have a table and we have many. Okay. If a king's table, King Arthur and his hundred knights, you know, hundred knights, not N K N I G T S, knights. Hundred nights, okay. You should read it, okay. Abigail is super, okay. Hundred nights. My favorite was Lancelot, okay. Okay, hundred nights over there. But the king is seated at the head of the table. So the problem is not the chair. The problem is who is seated at the head of the table. First Corinthians eleven and verse three. All our problems will be resolved, if this is resolved. I want you to know, let's leave the man and the woman aside. The head of every man is Christ. If Christ is the head, problem solved. Problem solved. What should every man strive for? Every man should strive every day for Christ to be the head. Christ to be the head. Okay. It is like, even if he is sitting at the head of the table in his house, he knows it is only delegated. Christ is the head of this house. You know, we have this incredible story in uh, in our Indian myth, Ramayana. Because of that vow the king has made, Rama has to go on one of us for 14 years or something. And uh, third queen, Kaike, whatever, whatever her name, Kaike, yeah, she had manipulated the king because of an old vow and he was broken hearted but he had to allow his elder son to go for penance and her son was supposed to be the Bharat is supposed to become the king in his place but she doesn't realize her son is such a righteous man he says I will not do that he takes his his uh, brother's sandals and puts it on the throne Rama's son and he sits on a smaller throne he says it's not mine it is his so the mother's trick did not work Okay, so he's ruling but he's ruling on behalf of his eldest brother. And that is exact. The concepts are all there in Hinduism. Every, you go to any temple, it is Jewish, this thing. The inner sanctuary on the Holy of Holies. Then only you can see the deity. They picked it up from there and fulfilled it with the idols. But the truth is still there hidden in many ways. Okay, it is all hidden in all this thing. And I mean, you will see, behind, especially, I don't know about North India, and all Kerala I have seen. Outside every temple, there is a pool. You cannot get in until you have showered. And the labor of water is there also. <laughs> Only problem is no atonement. No atonement. It made it into religion. So if you look at it, even if you're seated at the head of the table, you are only ruling on behalf of him. Behalf of him. Not on your own. If that is settled, the rest all will be settled. And because that is not settled, it causes strife. Because authority and power are a double-edged sword. It can cut both ways. And Jesus showed us the way. When he came and walked on earth, he said, you know what? I have come to do my father's will. We'll come to that. I have come to my father's will. He was absolutely clear. It is his father who is seated on the chair and not him. 
Though he could on his own, he was God. He could have, but he refused to do it. Why? He was showing us a pattern. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 7 now. Because if I continue in Corinthians 11, three people will get upset. Because when the husband and wife comes and you have to talk about headship, people all get very upset. So let's go to Christ. He never gets upset. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And verse 6. And raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Okay, These are loaded, loaded. Okay, So if you go back to verse 4, <coughs> how does Christ exercise headship? Or how does God exercise? How God exercises the way Christ exercises. How God is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. How does God exercise his authority? Rich in mercy. He mercy endures forever. Mercy endures. Mercy to a thousand generations of those. Those who hate him only four generations. But those who love him thousand generations. We would say the other one. Those who hate me a thousand generations. God is opposite. Rich in mercy. How does he exercise? When he is seated on the throne. How does he exercise his headship or his authority, his power? He is rich in mercy. Not only that. He is great in his love for us. Great love with which he loved us. We love people. We don't have great love. We don't have great love. Great love with which he loved us. What did he do? When we were dead in our trespasses, dead in our trespasses, what did you do? He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Ultimately, if you look at it, what does it tell you? It tells us something. We'll come to the sitting part later. What does it tell you? What does God do? He is all in all. It's not like us. He's a self-existing person, which means he needs nobody. See, in all the serving we do, there's something of a motive will be always there. We don't get a thank you, we get upset. Thank you, we get upset, okay? I was standing two days back at uh, Virinshi at the pharmacy um, to get the medication. And uh, this lady came and she wanted a mask. Okay? And then the man said, 20 rupee change. She said, I have no change. Okay, she's standing there, standing there, standing there, standing there. And I opened my wallet and she had hundred rupees. So I took all the change and gave it. She didn't even say thank you. Honestly, for a second, I felt offended. Okay? I mean, can't you at least say a thank you? <laughs> I don't have to do this for you. No? You go home, get 20 rupees and come back. No? <laughs> but you know, even when we do something, right, no? that's what I'm saying. No? God on the other hand, God on the other hand, Okay, we don't say thank you and all. He doesn't get offended, honestly. He's not like us. He doesn't get offended. Okay, though we should, we should. I'm saying if we don't. Okay, if he's offended, that means God is not complete in himself. He doesn't need anything from us. He's rich in mercy. 
Basically, what does it mean? Fundamentally, what is the principle? He in that throne uses his power and authority to serve his creation. That's the key. Keep. What has God given a chair for? To serve. To serve. Turn to Genesis chapter 41. 39 to 41. This is the man who is suddenly picked up from the prison and brought before the king. Pharaoh said to Joseph, in as much as God has shown you all these things, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house. All my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. He says, you know what? I'm giving you a throne. And there will be one throne above your throne. That's my throne. Everything else, that's exactly what we saw in Daniel's vision. The ancient of days is seated on the throne. And the one comes in the clouds and he is brought before him. And he is given the throne. And says, dominion, power, authority is your word. Pharaoh says from now. There's something interesting about Joseph. Wherever Joseph goes to work, the bosses relax. <laughs> they take a vacation. Think about it. Think about it. Honestly, think about it. If you're given charge, can your boss take a vacation? You have to look at it that way. Can your boss take a vacation? <laughs> we say in English, when the cat is out, the mice begin to play. <laughs> okay. Honestly, if you look at in Job's case, when it came to Job, God always took a vacation. He said, look at my son. I don't, I'm not troubled about him at all. He gives me a break. I don't have to. You think about children, people in the kingdom of God who says, you know, Lord, when it comes to me, you can take a break. Please focus on others. I'm not going to trouble you. One thing I'll guarantee you, Lord, I will submit to your will and give you peace. You don't have to worry about you. Don't have to worry about you. You know? And that was Joseph in his father's house. He had 12 sons. Like, let's forget the youngest one. He had 11 sons and a daughter. So 12 children. The youngest one is too small. One child, the father never had to worry about. So you see, fundamentally through it, all that pattern follows. And he has a throne and he's now given a throne. The Pharaoh gives him a throne. See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. We come to verse 56 and 57. Famine was over all the face of the earth and Joseph opened up the storehouses sold to the Egyptians. Famine became severe in the land of Egypt. So all the countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain. Why is it? He's been given a throne, power and authority and he's using it to serve the entire world. Entire world. That's what God is talking about. Have you been given a seat to sit? Have you been a source of blessing to others or are you looking at others to serve you? Are you? Or you use that you serve others but you use that seat primarily not to serve others but to serve your own ego. Your own ego. That's what happens when God meant this thing. And a new dispensation comes in. They don't like hmm, or we don't like. Suddenly you see a bill of 40 million dollars for changing curtains and carpets and everything. I mean, do you really have to change all this? to do. No? If you look at all the cards are changed, security cards are changed, everything is changed. And they're supposed to be government servants. But they use the government to serve themselves. Okay, It's not their money. If it's your money, go spend it to whichever you and even God doesn't bother about it. 
But if it is not your money, it is the government money, you need to realize, you know what, though they serve, ultimately they serve their own egos. They serve their ego. And that's what God is talking about. So, you will see. And then you come to 42 and verse 25. Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain to restore every man's money to his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. Thus he did for them. His brothers came over there. His family, he knows his brothers. They had brought money. He took the money, gave them grapes, and said, give the money back. Give the money back. He's serving his brothers over there. We come to chapter 43 and 32. So they set him a place by himself and them by themselves. So they're all seated now. Everybody is seated. And if you look at verse 34, he took servings to them from before him. And Benjamin's serving was five times as much. You see, even when he's seated, He's serving them from his table, though he's number two. And that's what Christ does. Christ is seated on the right hand side of the Father. What is he doing now? He's serving us. Forever making intercession for the saints. Forever pleading our case with the Father. He's serving. He's not serving himself. That's why we bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Why? Because where do you get a person like this? He has all power, all authority, all dominion. A throne above every other throne, name above every other name. What does he do with all that? He serves. See, we serve our children. Our children, we serve them. This is his creation. This is his creation. Self-existing ones. We have a need of a spouse. We have a need of a children and all. We have. We meet our needs also. We can easily through them. God has no need. No need. And he serves his creation. And God says, understand what the seat means. What the chair means. So God has made us alive together with Christ. Raised us up with him. And verse 6 says, we are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So if you are seated, you are seated in Christ. Meaning, use your power and authority like Christ does to serve. To serve. To serve. It's a position of dominion, authority. And God says, in that seat, in that chair, you have to exercise authority or dominion over self, over sin, and over Satan. And allow. And only Christ can do it. You and I cannot. If Christ is seated, he always wins. He always exercises dominion. Whenever we are losing, remember Christ has been replaced by self or sin. Not Satan. Otherwise, he wouldn't be sitting here. Okay, don't go to Satan's stage. Then we'll change your name to Iscariot. Okay. If you look at it, it uses the term or it uses has made us sit together. We are already seated. It's not like we will sit one day. No. It's not a bodiless being that is seated. The head is with the body. Because God sees, like I said, God sees everything. We end from the beginning. He sees the body complete. But please understand this. This is not a physical reality. It's a spiritual reality. Now listen carefully so we'll understand the important part of the message about being seated. This is not a physical reality. This is a spiritual reality. Now, if you look at the spiritual part of what we can understand of us, what is that? It's our mind. Can you touch it? 
Can you say you don't have it because you can't touch it? Even if you put through a CT scan machine, you can't see your mind. You can see your brain, but you can't see your mind. You can't see it, right? That is why I don't understand internet. How do what a type go? I don't know. How does it go? Right? Can you see your mind? No. Can you say you don't have a mind because it cannot be detected by anything? Brain can be detected. Mind cannot be detected. But the mind is real. So that's a spiritual part of you. It's a spiritual reality. Meaning, <coughs> where your mind is, is where you're actually seated. Okay, so that's why we don't, children cannot concentrate. So they are seated here, but they are not seated here. When adults are seated and they are not seated there, it becomes a problem. But children, we expect them. We don't expect them to be like a one-hour sermon, one-and-a-half sermon, to be seated here. They Physically, they will be fidgety and all. They can, thank God they are disciplined that they write the verses and all down and all that. But I'm telling you, where your mind is, is where you are seated. And what your mind is focused on is what is seated on that chair. Whether it is self, sin, I am not bringing Satan there or Christ. Okay, that is the key. If you go to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 and 12. Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. What does this spiritually represent? These priests could never sit down. Never could sit down. Why? Because this sacrifice could never take away atonement, bring forth atonement. So same. It's not that they did not sit down physically. Spiritually, they never sat down because there was no rest. Okay? They were always standing. Verse 12. But this man, who is that? Jesus Christ. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down. He sat down at the right hand of God. So the difference between the old covenant priesthood and the new covenant high priest, Melchizedek, Jesus Christ. What is that? He offered it once and for all and he sat down for all time. Sat down once and for all. Verse 14. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. This is where our rest comes from. It's not that we will be perfected. He has already perfected. But we are on the way of being sanctified. What is our physical reality? Being sanctified. What's the spiritual reality? Perfected. Because only perfect can sit with Christ. Imperfect cannot. So God sees us perfected there while we are being sanctified on earth. This is the rest of faith. Because Christ is seated. Unlike the high priest. High priest is standing, 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 standing every week. New offerings, new offerings. new. He cannot sit down. Neither can he sit down, nor can the congregation sit down. Everybody is restless. Why? Because inside you know nothing is happening. You cannot. You cannot change you. This is where our rest comes. So the question is, how do you sit? You are seated with Christ Jesus, right? And be at rest. How do you sit and be at Christ? Like I told you. To be seated with Christ is a spiritual reality. It is your mind. Where our mind is, is where we really are. 
Okay. Now life has been become more difficult by the corona restrictions. Meaning earlier, before the mask came in, you could at least make out from the expression where your mind was. <laughs> now the mask covers that much part of the face, so you still, they could look stare at you, but you don't know whether he is <laughs> smiling because according, you can't make out anything on the face. Okay, anything at the face. So you don't know where the mind actually is. Like I said, you could be seated in the church and wandering elsewhere. Wandering elsewhere. Let's turn to Luke chapter 10, verses. Very familiar portion for us, 38 to 42. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. A certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word, meaning there were others also sitting at his feet. Mary is mentioned because she is part of the household and heard his word. Martha was distracted with much serving. She approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. If you notice, he did not condemn her for working. He said, your mind is not focused. You can work and listen. The issue is not with the working. The issue is your mind is elsewhere. Therefore, what has happened? What is seated on your throne? It is not rest. It is self. We always think Martha was working. Martha can work. You can work and listen. Most of the work in my other side of my office is done while I am working. Because you can do all these things and listen to something. Actually, these headphones, and this is the best invention for modern life. You can do an entire household work in one hour, 30 minutes. You can finish everything off without taking your mind off Christ. That's all he's telling Martha. Martha, Martha, the issue is that, you know what? Your sister is listening. You are not listening. Okay, and therefore what has happened? Martha, you're worried. Look at verse 42. He says, you know, one thing is needed and Mary has chosen the good part which will not be taken away from her. Your issue is here. She's listening. You also can listen. Your issue is not that you're working. Your issue is your mind is not on me. And therefore what has come in? Strife and envy and discord has come in. That's the key. So how do we, how, how do I or you any one of us, in the physical reality when we are on planet earth, how do we spiritually experience the reality of being seated with Christ? Okay, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So suddenly God says something. And this is Paul's incredible experiences with that, through which the reality of the Bible comes through this man. He says, it doesn't matter where you are or what your status on heaven, on earth is. You're, he's lying in prison. But he says, my mind is in heaven. Therefore, I'm seated with Christ. You could be a chaprasi, you could be a pune, you could be a MGM, municipal corporation workers, garbage collector. It does not matter who you are on earth, what you are on earth. What matters is where your mind is. Where your mind is, is where you are. So you can be doing the most menial job, honestly, over here, but you are seated with Christ in your mind. Seek those things that are above. What's the first thing you have to do? Bible says, seek those things. It's not enough. We seek. First we seek. 
Second thing, verse 2. Set your mind on things above. Once you have sought, you have to use, you, you, you seek, then you set your mind. It's like the laser, you no know, guided missiles. They seek, heat seeking missile, they call it, right? The missile is launched and it will lock in. It's locked in. First you seek and then you set your mind on it. You seek things of God through the ministry of the word, personal or otherwise, and then you set your mind on it. Not on things on the earth. That's what happened to Martha. Her mind was on things on earth. How do you experience this? This is a little simple practical thing. Simple practical thing. Right? But how do you do this? Verse 3. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ Jesus. That is why baptism is so important. What do you do? Every morning you go back to the reality of your baptism. What is that? Reckon yourself dead. Alive in Christ. Alive. It's a daily practice. And the thing is that as you practice it daily, it starts setting in. It starts setting in. Seek, set your mind. I am dead. Christ is alive. And you have this man, Paul could be lying in a dungeon, yet he's seated with Christ. See, people, like I said yesterday also, many statements people make are false, scripturally. People who say, you are so heavenly minded, you are of no earthly good. Which is not true. It's a false statement. <laughs> it's a false statement. When people are actually heavenly minded, then only of, they can be of some good for God on earth. Right? Heavenly minded know of earthly good, which is not true. Because we are called to be heavenly minded. To think on things that are above. We'll, we'll, I'll explain it to you. You see, <laughs> like I said, the table and the chair comes together. Right? They come together. Bed, table, chair. Our problem is, we are all, not we are all kind of foodies. So whenever we think about food, we, table, we think only about food. You know? But that's not what the table represents, though there is food. And we made the song, in my father's house, there's a big table full of beautiful, lovely, yummy things. And we made these songs and taught our children also little false theology. Okay. Table is not, because you can eat on the floor too. You can eat standing too. Right? Companies will allow you to stand and eat. They won't allow you to sit and eat because you're wasting our time. So stand and eat. When they left the Egypt, they were asked to stand in haste and eat and leave. He didn't give them a table and chair in Egypt to sit and eat. Eat your Passover in haste. Tuck your clock in. Get ready to leave. So we are not talking about eating. Table is not primarily about eating. Table is primarily about fellowship. Okay? It's about fellowship. So when you are seated, you are seated at the table. Now, we will understand. If you are seated at his table, what happens at a table or what should happen at a table? Conversation. It's important it should take place at a conversation. I'm not saying conversation can take place only at the table, but symbolically it is represented. Husbands and wife, most of the conversation takes place in the bedroom when they are chilling. No, not billing, but chilling. <laughs> okay. That's when they talk. 
that's when they talk and we had we had in 10 years we had our best two days in the covid ward isolated from everybody no visitors nobody is calling we never had that in all these years okay we never had that okay, okay. so and there was no table in that room by the way <laughs> okay so you need to understand what it means it means fellowship let me keep this to you so that when your mind is on thoughts that are above okay thoughts that are above you will be able to hear his thoughts that are concerned about things below that is what is important okay let me tell you jeremiah 29 verse 11 29 for i know the thoughts that i think towards you says the lord god says i know the thoughts i think towards you that's not the problem do we know the thoughts that he thinks towards us how can you know unless you have a conversation with him unless you're seated at the table and you're having a conversation with him thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope this is at a dark time he's prophesying god says i have no evil thoughts about my children no evil thoughts look at psalm 40 and verse 5 many o lord my god are your wonderful works which you have done your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order if i could declare and speak of them they are more than can be numbered so first think about it because like i said fellowship is his thoughts and then words that are uttered and here the psalmist is saying you know what your thought so the question is how did this psalmist psalmist know this because he has had a conversation in his prayer life with god so he is able to hear the thoughts of god for him okay look at psalm 139 and verse 7 and 8 17 and 18 sorry how precious also are your thoughts to me o god how great is the sum of them if i should count them they would be more in number than the sand when i am awake i am still with you day and night talking about now think about it honestly do we have conversation do we hear conversation and his concern for us look four verse 29 to 31 look at what jesus says his concern for us 10 10 not 4 10 look 10 but he wanting to oh it's not 10 look the hairs of our head are numbered no it was not that it, the chapter must have gone wrong to 12 uh 127 look 127 127 yeah the very hairs of your head are all numbered do not fear therefore you are of more value than many sparrows okay he talks about six talks about the sparrows how you can put six also over there okay look 12 yeah same thing 126 yeah what this is important because are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins but not one of them is forgotten before god And the very hairs of your head are all numbered do not fear therefore you are of more value than many sparrows what is god talking about he says the thoughts the concern of god for us 
I mean, even we don't think about our own hair like that. <laughs> the detail. Now, only when you start losing your hair, we start getting concerned. But otherwise, we don't bother like that. <laughs> but you say, my hair is falling. You, and you think, nobody cares. God says, I do care. I do care. Don't worry about how much hair you feel. He says, when you reach heaven, you will have a full head. There are no bald people in heaven, I'm telling you. Everybody will have hair. <laughs> okay. Everybody will have hair. God says, I know all your concerns. I know the thoughts that I have you. And the psalmist says, I know it cannot be even counted. What does it mean? What does it mean? If you go to Ephesians 2, 6 to 2, 10 now. Hmm? 2.10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand we should walk in them. So God has prepared a whole set of works in which we should walk. But how do you and I know? Unless we are seated, then we have a conversation with him. And he is able to reveal his thoughts for us. He is to able to put his burden upon us. That's the key. That's where the chair comes in. And then the dominion and the authority flows accordingly. Otherwise we can take dominion, authority which is anyway given and use it for our own thoughts of what we need to do for God or God's thoughts for us. This is the key. In John 5 and verse 19 and 20 Jesus is on earth but his mind is on heaven. Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. What is he talking about? But where are you, Jesus? I'm on earth. But where is your mind? He says, it's in heaven. Where are you seated? I'm seated with my Father in heaven. He says, when I'm in, when my mind is focused on my God, I hear what he wants me to do. Not only that, I also see how he wants me to do. That's what he's saying. He does nothing of himself. Whatever he sees the father do, whatever he does, the son also does in a like manner. There are two things. What God does and how God does. What God does and how God does. We may do what God does, wants us to do, but we may not do it the way God wants us to do. And we, there's always a disconnect. Always a disconnect. We want to do what God does, but we do not do the way God wants us to do. And it's important. It comes from hearing. hearing. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. What is he talking about when he told his disciples later you will do greater works? He says, meaning the Father wants to show us the things we have to do. And why don't we see it? Is simply because we don't sit at the table in the chair and we don't. We want the chair that we want dominion, power, authority, but we, there is no fellowship. There is no fellowship. So Jesus is showing us something. He says, I'm on earth in the flesh, but my mind is on earth or in heaven. Okay. What I have, a, what I want to do here, I want to do the will of God, the will of God, which has two parts. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 7. Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. What is this? This is the revealed will of God. Okay? Revealed will of God. There are two parts of God's will in everybody's life. One is the revealed will of God. It is there in this. The revealed will of God. The problem is people don't know the revealed will of God because they don't read it. If you read it, you will know. The revealed will of God. Then there is another one. 
the hidden will of God. The hidden will of God. Mark chapter 1, verses 35 to 38. Now in the morning, having risen a long time while before daylight, he went out, departed to a solitary place. There he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next town that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. The sick people all have gathered. And he has been anointed to heal the sick. If he goes with them and heals, he is only going with the revealed will of God. He has not the, 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 he have the written will of God. He has not heard from God what is the hidden will of God. He is not doing per se anything wrong. But he has missed the perfect will of God. He will be walking in the permissive will of God out of which good will come. But that's not what God intended for him to do. So this is our issue. Most of us are content with the permissive will of God. Content with the permissive will of God. That's why I was telling yesterday. And it was a shock. No. After the honeymoon period you will know. Who told you? We already set in the world standard that there is a time in the marriage which is the best, which is honeymoon. After that, expect trouble. But God says, no, the honeymoon is the norm. Honeymoon is the norm. What did he say? Go back to your first love. He said, that's the norm. That's the norm. Okay. That's the norm. It only should get better. It should not get worse. That's why you have also sayings in the world, marriage is like wine. The older it is, the better it gets. But it only happens when these things are in order. So Jesus shows when you are seated, your mind, you're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. As Christ was seated with his father in the heavenly places, even when he was living on earth, he had fellowship. He knew the revealed one and he knew the hidden one. We are satisfied with the here. Or we don't even know the revealed one. We have to be satisfied with both. That's why one, I remember the first time when God spoke to me through this, he said, what do you see here? What do you see here? Would have my son have done anything wrong if he had gone to the crowds and started healing them? Nothing. But you would have missed my will for him that day. I will for him that. And if you look at it, that's the way. I'm, I'm not saying we, our ministry will be like him. But in our own particular ways, God wants to speak to us every day. Like, you know, who'd, who'd, who'd do something like leaving the big preaching ministry and go after one Samaritan woman? We see the result of that obedience. The men of the people all believe. Then after that, they were, while gatherings, people ask him to go. The Samaritans ask him to stay. All because you listen to the voice of God. Listen to the voice of God. So there is a revealed part and there is a hidden part. Where does it come from? It comes from fellowship. So the table and the chair goes together. You have dominion, we have power, we have authority, we have rest. But there is fellowship. And fellowship is when God is able to reveal his heart to a man or a woman. God wants to talk. One side you are absolutely at rest. Why? You know the thoughts of God for you. Absolutely at rest. You will go through it all, you are absolutely at rest. Now you are not, Lord tell me how much you love me. That is a baby. That's not, no. 
God is not talking about it. You don't want to hear that over and over again. I mean, if you told an older son, no, like 40-year-old son, no, how much I love you, say that, anything wrong with you, I know that you love me. <laughs> okay, okay. What the son wants to know is that, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Okay, first we need to be, we, we needn't be told over and over again, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. Look at the cross, you should be sure, absolutely sure, he loves you. Okay, loves you. And don't get this wrong idea. Like I said, even about when you fail, when you fail, when you fall, don't get the wrong idea. That's why I said, if you good fathers being evil, look at my children. Any of my children, any of my five children, if they were to fall away, if they were to rebel, they can sin a thousand times, ten thousand times. If they come back, it's still back to normal. You don't hold anything against your children. You never hold anything against your children. I mean, if you are genuinely a parent, you don't hold anything against your children. Because you just love them, right? And that's what I'm going to say. You being good, evil fathers know how to do good things. What about your father in heaven? Father in heaven. So we need to have rest about this, about the love of God for us. And we should be in a position where God is able to speak to us. Speak to us. And there is no envy. There is no. There is no, this. Uh, where did I read this? This. Uh, ah, this. I don't know. Some lady. She said there is some planetarium in somewhere in U.S. where you can. You know, you have Birla Planetarium also. Okay, this thing where you can see the whole thing. I went a century ago. I think. I don't remember how it was. But she said, when you're all seated, there is an announcement. The announcement is that. Oh, I can't verbally remember what the announcement was. It is like this. Everybody, wherever you are seated, has the same visibility, viewpoint. It doesn't matter where you are seated. It doesn't matter where you are seated. Everybody has the same visibility and the same access to what is being shown. And this is something which we need to realize. When we are seated at the Father's table, Everybody has the same visibility and accessibility. There is no room for envy or strife at that table. No room. No room. There's no room. That's how you will know whether you're seated at the table or not. Seated at the table or not. Okay. Though Jacob's, all his sons must have eaten at the same table, they were not seated at the same table. They were not seated. But Joseph was. So Joseph had access to his father. The others also had access. But he had access. And Joseph always had access with God. And these are fundamental principles. How we protect our hearts, our minds. So where is he seated? In that illustration we look, Jesus, spiritually, in heaven. Where is he working physically? On earth. And what is he accomplishing? Thy will be done. Not my will. Or Peter's will. Because Peter has his will. Lord, everybody has come over there. And it's not a bad will. It's not a bad. Don't think these are all bad things. So no. They're not bad things. Everything that is, when the devil offers it to us, once you know this man is set on, a woman is set on the will of God, he'll only offer us good. Doesn't offer us evil. He offers us good. So that we are taken away from the will of God. Will of God. Okay. That's why they prayer. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. In Galatians 2.20. We will see how Jesus lived. It's how Paul learned. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. 
And the life which I live in flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What does ultimately life of faith mean? What does the life of faith mean? Life of faith means it's thy will, not my will. Because like I said, faith comes from hearing. Hearing from the, the revealed is the word of God. And the unrevealed, which you have to seek. So the Bible says early in the morning, or whatever your shift times allows. Don't get into legalistic, because some of you work at night, so you cannot. Okay, But you have a time set apart where it is you and God alone, person. It's not your spouse. You have time for prayer with your spouse. That's a different thing. You have time for prayer with your children. That's different. But there is a time that is set apart, you and God alone. And he speaks. He speaks. Okay. The revealed part is, let's go to Romans uh, 10, 17. Right? Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's the word of God. The word of God we all have. And all of us are good in theology, English, language, everything. And we know the revealed will of God. Nobody has to tell us. We know the revealed will, what to do, what not to do. Everything is revealed over there. There's another one. That comes from hearing. That comes from hearing. Hearing by the word of God. And when these two parts come in together, you know what? It falls into place. And the Bible teaching us, this is how Jesus lived. This is how Jesus lived. And the Father lived through him. The Father was living. When he said, thy will be done on earth, it was the Father living through Jesus. And God says, now let my son live through you. Okay? Live through you. You remember, as I close, as you remember, when uh, the portions were brought from the table, Benjamin's portion was five times. Why? Benjamin represents the new covenant believer. The ten elder brothers under the law, the old covenant believers. Benjamin is the son of grace. Okay, he gets five. Okay, so that, what does that mean? How does he live? Deuteronomy, the last verse for today. Of Benjamin, he said, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him, who shelters him all day long, and he shall dwell between his. What does it mean? The children of the new covenant who are represented by Benjamin, you know what? Though they are walking on earth, they are being carried in heaven. So they have rest. That's the difference between Benjamin and the others. Like I said, you look at the entire narrative of Joseph, Benjamin doesn't speak a word at all. Never speaks a word. He never speaks a word. He never does anything against Joseph. Because he's a recipient of grace. And what does grace enable us to do? Grace enables us to overcome. Grace enables us to overcome. So though Benjamin is walking on earth, where does he dwell? He dwells between his shoulders. And that's what God is talking about. And unless we come to that and come to this goodness of God, no? That's what I said. This is the fundamental principle we need to understand. It doesn't matter what our state on earth is. It's where our mind is. Mind is. Because wherever your mind, that is the table you are seated. If you are miserable, if you are living in a palace but you are miserable, that's where you are seated. The palace doesn't make any... You think all these rich people, I mean yesterday also one big guy died of overdose, Right? 
He died of an overdose. A big, big name rapper in the U.S. died of an overdose. You think he didn't have money? You think he didn't have fame? You didn't think he didn't have reputation? How did he die of an overdose? Because of the table where he was sitting. That's the table he chose. Chose. Did Paul die of an overdose? Every town he went, there was a table prepared for him. <laughs> it was a local prison. Did he die of despair? Did he die of discouragement? Did he go into depression? Did he order for Prozac? No, he didn't. <laughs> huh? Did he ask for antacids? Oh, my stomach is burning. I cannot adjust with the prison food. He had no issues at all. See, this guy is sitting in prison and Timothy is outside. He tells Timothy, drink little wine for your stomach. I am good. I am good. Why? Because Timothy is fearful and is releasing all the acids in his stomach. He's not able to digest, eat properly. Paul is lying in prison. He's perfectly fine. You see, ultimately, you know, it's where your mind is. That's why Colossians 1 says, think on those things that are above. If you are, says, you are, but doesn't mean that's your reality. If you are, if you have been raised up with Christ Jesus, think on those things that are above. Above. Okay? Think about those things. And then, your fellowship time at the table. You have to have a dedicated fellowship time with God at that table. He will speak to you. It's not that when he speaks to you, he will tell you to do so many things. Sometimes he won't tell you to do anything. Anything. And that's all. There are times when Jesus did nothing. He come away from the crowds. Let us go apart. Just sit and chill. Oh, Lord, you got only this much time. You have to chill, chill. Daddy said don't do. That's all. That's all that matters. It's not about being busy and doing many works. It's a simple thing. He is from hearing from God. And that hearing is important. And it will only come at the table. And we are seated with him in the high places. So there is rest. There is the table, the fellowship. And then there is dominion and authority. But how we exercise dominion and authority has to be connected with hearing. And the hearing is important because it is his will and not my will. Otherwise, it will create strife, confusion, and God says no. Amen? Let us pray. For those who tuned in late, GDC Hyderabad, we are not meeting at the church tomorrow because of the COVID restrictions, but we will have service here, and if you are coming, text Sammy, because he is in charge of the chairs. Otherwise, you will be flowed by him. Okay? Let's pray. <coughs> Father, we just thank you, we just praise you, we just worship you. We thank you, thank you, Father. We just thank you, Lord. It doesn't matter, Lord, your people who are hearing, whether we are seated here in this office, we are seated at home, we are, see- we are lying in a bed in the ICU. It does not matter where we are, what our state on earth is. What matters is the state of our mind. In our minds, right now, everyone can choose to be seated with Christ by thinking on things that are above. Thinking about things concerning God and the kingdom of God. And I pray, Father, we will learn. We will learn. That's what grace is given for. We will learn to be at rest. Yes, there are problems. And problems are only increasing. We thought the COVID was gone and going and it has come back with increased vigor. But none of these things move us. 
None of these things move us, Lord. We have come through it all. We have come through COVID. We have come through the entire dedicated COVID ward. We have come through it all untouched. Because you are there with us. And some others may be there because of COVID in the ICU. But you are with them. Help us to believe in the words you have spoken to us. Because God does not lie. He's not a man that he lies. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you till the very end. That's the truth. You have never forsaken any one of us. You have never left us even for a second. You're always there with us. If we do not experience you, it's simply because we do not spend time with you. You want to spend time with us. You made it abundantly clear in your words you have spoken. That even the thoughts that you have towards us cannot be counted. And our thoughts towards can be sometimes counted in the fingers of our hands. Because our mind is all over the place on things that are below. And we could be just like Martha with you seated right in the house giving probably in-depth teaching on the goodness of God and miss it all because our mind is over everywhere else. And I pray, Father, help us. Help us to dwell on your, your goodness, your kindness, your great love, the riches of your mercy. And what you are preparing for us. That we can really, really anticipate all these things. That our father's house, yes, there are many mansions. And it's not about that mansion, about the room. The the, the joy of being with you one day, physically, forever and ever. We anticipate that. We look forward to that. We think about that. Like a bride looks forward to a wedding day. She dreams. Help us to dream dreams of heaven and not about our problems. That's what Daniel saw. It says nightly visions. He saw thrones and he saw tens and thousands of angels worshipping you. And he saw the son of man being brought, escorted to you and him being given dominion. And therefore Daniel in Babylon could dwell with God in a pagan culture. In the midst of idols and demons, his mind was in heaven. Thrown into a rocky island in Patmos, cut away from fellowship. But John's mind was in heaven. Therefore, God could show him heaven. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us. Help us, Lord. To set our minds on things that are above. Help us, Lord. I speak that rest into everybody's life. God has taken care of it all. It's on the cross. It was finished. I pray, Father, people will believe today. Everywhere. Especially those who are not well. They will believe. It was finished on the cross. That by his stripes, it's not that we will be. We are healed. We are healed. And I speak that healing into everyone's body. If there is any sign, any symptom left, I speak healing. And I speak health. Healing is an aberration. Health is the norm. And I speak health. And I pray people will believe and practice health, O Lord. 
And when we fall ill by our mistake, our stupidity, or some other reason, our healing is also our divine portion. It's the bread from the Father's table. That's why the Canaanite woman asked for healing. And you said it is bread for the children. We are seated like Mephibosheth at the king's table, at our father's table. He gives us bread daily and healing is part of it. Help us to believe, Lord. Believe, believe. All that we need for life, your word says, his divine power has given us everything pertaining to life and to godliness. Help us to be at rest knowing it is done. Live in the fullness and the abundance the Father provides every one of us through Christ. Jesus is not standing there worrying. He's seated at the right hand side of the Father. Once and for all, He has perfected everyone who is being sanctified. Help us to hear, Lord. Even the little children, help them to hear. Samuel heard because he was resting before the ark and he could speak to him. We have little children here and I pray their mind will not be all around the world. Let them enjoy life, let them play, but also, Father, I pray you will give them open ears that even our little children will hear from God. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for everything that you have done for us in Christ Jesus. Therefore we rest. Therefore we rest. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.